In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. In the time of censorship, non-compliance is key. From an undisclosed location in FEMA Region 10, it's your host, Joshua Michael. Welcome folks to Non-Compliant America, the beacon of light in FEMA Region 10 here in Oregon. I'm your host, Joshua Michael. And there's so much news going on. There's just so much chaos everywhere. I don't even know where to start or, or where to begin. But we got Don Powers in the house again today. And uh, he's got a lot going on, a lot to contribute with. I want to talk about the SB 348 bill that's trying to be rammed down our throat. That's essentially bypassing the, uh, the justice system that is going through the process of appealing Measure 114. Well, they're just trying to create a bill to just say, no, we're just going to make a bill and ram it down your throat. We're not going to leave it up for debate anymore uh, and do that. And so we got a special guest coming up, um, John Lott, who drove all the way from Montana to come down here uh, to testify and basically had about three minutes of time and all this nonsense and everything else. So he's going to be coming up here on the next segment. Uh, but first, I want to get into just kind of what's going on around the world and kind of do a round robin here with the infamous DP, Don Powers. Friend of a friend, friend of mine, friend of yours, friend of all of ours, right? Or as, uh, as uh, what is it? Um Oh, forget it. I forgot I was going to go with that. <laughs> you kind of okay. caught me off guard. There you, know, you go. You know, Thielman always calls me the man of mystery. Nobody really knows what Don Powers does. He's so funny. It's just like, I just laugh at him. You know, I think there's something to that. I don't know. I'm not uh, saying. But uh, so the BRICS nations, uh, are you familiar with the BRICS nations? I am. Okay. So what's going on? Uh, this is a very important thing. And so this is going to demonstrate and represent, you know, with what we're seeing in regards to the monetary system, uh, the banking collapses and potential future for more banking collapses to happen in the future. So Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, plus there's more countries than that. Those are just the new ones and the most recent ones. Uh, they're working on develop a developing a new currency. And what that means is it's going to basically dismantle the petrodollar. We've been talking about this for a long time um, on what that's going to do for the American economy and the American system. What's that going to do to the money in your bank account? It's essentially going to deem useless. And so we're going to see hyperinflation. Uh, I think it's inevitable now, especially since I think it was Brazil and Russia and China have just basically committed uh, to no longer using the petrodollar, which they're big countries and they're big trade countries. And all the little countries are just going to follow suit. So what's that going to mean? There's going to be a surplus of money cycling around the world and nobody's going to want it. It's not going to be worth anything. So what's going to happen? It's going to come back to the United States. And so we're going to have all this money. So what do we do? And, and, and where are we foreshadowing this thing to go? It's very simple. They're going to break the dollar, make it to where your, your money's worth nothing. It's $12 for a gallon of milk or $20 for a gallon of milk. What are you going to do at that point? Your job virtually can't, you're, you're not being able to make any money and being able to live. Inflation is going to go too high. And so they're going to roll out this CBDC program, the central digital bank currency. Uh, and 
I, I, I think that these BRICS nations are going to start lobbying to the American people to start using their currency, which is similar to the Chinese yen or a new federalized digital currency uh, that these banks are going to do. So what do we do, Don? What do we do? Punt. Get a punt. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, it's gotten to the point where well, this is what the American people really just need to wake up. We, we really need to get uh, awake and get active and get educated about what's going on in, in around the world. But in our in our states, uh, in our country, our states and in our counties and start getting involved. It's no longer acceptable to say this is not affecting me because it's it's coming and uh, it's here. Yeah, it's here, right? It's but I'm here. saying it's going to affect you. You just, Some people just haven't seen it. An example I have, I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, they were telling the story how they were sitting down at a restaurant having a conversation. This person uh, wants to start, uh, he's a former um, a sheriff out of Washington, talking about how uh, he wants to start a, a security business, but the laws and, and legislation that's pushing through Oregon makes it almost impossible for him to do that, et cetera. And he was asked uh, by somebody sitting next to him, which happened to be Christine Drake, reason uh are you into politics and you know so forth and 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 and, and he goes well no but this thing's really got me you know got me paying attention to all these 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 laws and stuff and the frustrating part of that conversation to me is that's all the other stuff that's going on in our schools with the children with 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 uh with uh, the j6 prisoners with the inflation with all of the terrible things that are going on in our country that's the only thing that made this person start to think, hey, what's going on here? This is affecting me now. Yeah. So what is the thing that affects you? I thought I thought the catalyst was going to be when they start pushing this garbage into our schools with these kids and, yeah. and trying to tell them, you know, if you noticed uh, something else came out this week that the State Board of Education here in Oregon uh, supported the idea that the kids can get uh, transitional therapy uh, drugs and and so forth without parents' consent. Are yeah. you guys out of your mind? Wake up! Where are you, parents? You know, you go to school. It's got seven thousand kids. That's fourteen thousand parents, and nobody shows up to the school board. You're going to let this crap go? It's all it takes is non-compliance. Yeah. And what is what's going to be the catalyst to inspire people to to get off the couch? I mean, and here's the thing: we all have to detox from the technologies that we are inducting ourselves with and understand that these technologies are weapons. They're weapons ma maintained and they're there and developed to suppress us from wanting to get activated to wanting to get off of the couch. Oh, when you get off work, the last thing you want to do is, you know, go to some community meeting and listen to them ramble on about some bills going on at the house. That just sounds boring. We don't want to do that. Look at this. Oh, let's watch Yellowstone. The new season of Yellowstone's on tonight. You know, so there's this distracted distraction. It's called suspended disbelief. We all have to understand that we have to detox off of that. And so I, I, I would suggest that, you know, let's limit your cell phone consumption to, to one hour a day right now and see if you can do that. Because here's the thing, and I, and I talked about this like six months ago about if we can't get away from this adrenaline rush of this screen time of induction, indoctrination of nonsense, you know, kind of all this propaganda going on everywhere and all the things meant to get people to go to sleep and all this stuff. If we can't get off of that, I mean, essentially we've already been captured at this point, right? You know, at some point it'd be, if people would just stop for a minute and, and, and realize the truth about the things that are going on, just go through what's happening at our schools, not yep. acceptable. What's happening in our banking system, not acceptable. What's happening uh, in the legislature, not acceptable. All of these things that they, we are, we are this close to living under 
complete and utter tyranny. We're, that that gate's closing right now, and it's going to lock, and it's never going to wake up, or it's never going to open up. But, you know, I think uh, Roseanne said it best. I watched her interview. That's ironic as can be, isn't it? Oh, Roseanne said it best. She, she did. No, uh, I know, but uh, it's just something but, I never thought of coming out of my mouth. But if you watch, she did a couple of interviews on Alex Jones, and just phenomenal. The, the, she's just a beautiful lady, just a beautiful woman. But she said it best. She said... All I suggest people to do is to look up, mm. look at the sky, look at, look at the stars, you know, ponder about understanding we're on this rock, whether we're floating, whether it's round, whether it's flat, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But, uh, but just looking up and understanding that there is a greater picture. There's more people that have lived on this planet, that have came, they've gone, they've previous generations, you know, are we going to be the last generation to where it, and, and, and it's, it's crazy. It's almost the enslavement system. Also, people don't see it, right? It's not in our face, but it's surrounding us. But the minute that you try to get out of it is the minute that you get well sucked back in. That's the old, you know, boiling frog adage, right? I mean, it it's, it's overused a little bit, uh, but I mean, that's the point, right? We it just, is. And, and just for example, I mean, think about this, think about the uh, professional swimming women's swimmer athletes that are now speaking out about competing against a dude and they're getting censored. They're getting deplatformed. They're getting shunned. They're getting shamed. You know, they're bigots, but think about like the ultimate, uh, the ultimate feminist movement. Dudes have taken over the feminist movement. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. Just, just for the, <laughs> I, mean, ju I mean, just for people listening, you, it's, you for you feminists it, out there. I mean, just it, a reminder, everybody. It's XXXY. Follow the science. That's <laughs> yeah. it. That's all there is. XXXY. But, but it's wild to me because you have these people, you know, claiming women's rights and and this and that, but their movement is literally, and they can't they can't help it right now, and they're stuck in this box. Is their movement is being overtaken by dudes? Kind of ironic, isn't it? Here, but here's that gets to another great point. So we talk about again, you know, the stuff going on in schools. I guess I'm I'm hyper focused right now on the schools simply because all the it's school important. board stuff coming up in May yes. is really important. And we talk about taking this country back, taking our state back, one county at a time, mm -hmm. and at the local level, which is really important. Uh, but but let's look at all those things. These things are what I'd call the fruit of the problem, right? And look at all the fruits of the problem. They want you looking everywhere, and it's like a micro division. If you think about it, when you're dicing up, say, chicken for 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 as long as we're still allowed to have. Are we still allowed to have chickens? Can we still eat chickens? Yeah, I mean, you got to okay. avoid the chicken flu, but... Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you start off, you dice it up in, the large, you know, half half the breast, and you chop it up, and then pretty soon you get into smaller pieces, and, you know, et cetera. And they're kind of doing that to our lives right now. They're saying, not only are they dividing us by race, they're dividing us by religion, they're dividing... And now they're, it's like micro-divisions. Now they continue to chop us up into even smaller pieces, sure. and it's like, I, I care so much about what's happening in our schools. So there's a handful of people focused over there. Oh, I care so much about this transgender garbage that's going on. Oh, I care so much about, you know, uh, what's happening in the economy. I care so much about foreign uh, policy, uh, et cetera. So, and so all of a sudden, instead of stepping back and realizing all of these things that are going on, you have to, it paints a picture, right? It's the old forest for the trees thing. You know, if you're looking at a puzzle, for example, you know, when you're really close, you're only seeing, and you step back and, and you look at it and go, wow, that's a really cool, that's a really cool painting. Sure. That's a really cool, uh, and you can see what the whole puzzle was, but when you're just looking at a few pieces, you don't realize what, what the whole picture is. That's why a lot of people putting puzzles together have the box sitting over there to reference, right? Yeah. It's, if we step back for a second and just start to look at the whole picture, you realize what's happening. And all of these things are the fruit of a very cons 
concerted effort to take this country down the monetary system right everything it's all designed to divide us get us focused on a hundred little things all the fruits of the problem and then uh and then silence us right and it's all directly connected to the communist manifesto i mean you can literally read right these guys the playbook their playbook on how they're infiltrating and taking things over but i but i'm glad that you mentioned the school boards a lot because that is important and and so there's been a huge amount of successes going on within those school boards because that's the low bearing fruit in regards to running a campaign maybe maybe never ran a campaign before getting into that system and learning kind of the political aspect of it but you can make a real change i mean like you said you were talking about that school district that they wanted to speak at there's fourteen thousand parents that means there's at least seven thousand kids right right uh, if not more there's probably twenty thousand kids tied in with that uh but the twenty thousand kids were directly impacted by what you can do so you can make an impact if you decide to run and they, they can still sign up right and, yep, absolutely. and run for school board yep. so there's still a ton of open slots i mean all the districts need good people and you don't have to be well versed in how things operate or anything else like just getting in there being a voice seeing how it works you can maneuver and get around that and the best thing we talk about is how it's like a muscle. You got to exercise that muscle. If you don't ever get out and you never get on that treadmill, if you never go on that walk, if you never step outside of your house, you're never going to be able to exercise that muscle. Hey, look, we're, we're, we're in a war. We need warriors. And if you're a warrior or you can support a warrior, then, you know, maybe you don't have the time or, or uh, you know, the inclination. Maybe you don't even have a kid in, in school right now. So you think, hey, let the parents uh, fight that, that have the kids in school. That's a that's a fair and a reasonable uh position but you can do something and we can all do something you may know you know maybe you don't have any money but maybe you've got the skills that you you know to to throw out a campaign Uh, but maybe you've got the skills to do some graphics or to uh, help build uh, create some signs or create some signage or or help them with a website or a flyer maybe you've got some marketing skills maybe you're really good on the phone and you can get on the phone and get on the phone bank for them and start making some phone calls everybody can do absolutely something and find it and do it and get a hold of these candidates and help them and if you need help if you need guidance getting a hold of some those candidates you guys can reach out to me at jm at noncompliantamerica.com that's all one word you're listening to joshua michael i got don powers in the house we got john Locke coming up on the next segment thanks for listening Broadcasting from the formal state of Oregon in FEMA Region 10, it's your host, Joshua Michael. And we're back, Joshua Michael, Noncompliant America, here in FEMA Region 10 over in the formal state of Oregon. And Oregon is completely being captivated by these gun bills. They're just overwhelming uh, the population so much so that it's 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 very difficult for um, the public to even grasp uh, which bill is referencing to what. Now, a lot of the the headlines have been associated with SB 348, which is basically trying to ram Measure 114 that's being blocked 
um, at a state level, as well as uh, or Kevin Starrett over at the Oregon Firearms Federation, uh, basically blocking that measure, allowing the, the magazine uh, purchasing to continue and the permit uh, requirement that uh, the state's requiring for people to uh, purchase a firearm, all that's kind of on hold. So SB 348 is trying to push all that through. And now that's only one of three additional gun bills that they're trying to push uh, in this um, nonsensical argument, basically trying to ban the Second Amendment. But, you know, don't hear it from me uh, on, you know, being the expert uh, on uh, what gun statistics are and, and, and what guns are used for and how uh, how safe they actually create communities and everything else. I have uh, the expert, uh, John Lott, from crimeresearch.org. Um, he has an interesting story about he drove all the way from Montana last uh, Monday to, uh, to come out here and testify on behalf of SB 348. And uh, he's on the phone with us, but we want to talk to him about that experience and then also get into details from what he was basically blocked from being able to testify um, in front of the Capitol there. So, John, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So let's talk about, I want to talk about the measure with you. And then I also want to talk about what you were not able to say and kind of how you were shunned here um, in this great state of Oregon. Right. Well, I mean, uh, you guys have a, a bill that's up there that's going to make it very difficult and costly for people to be able to go and own guns. Uh there it's going to there's a $150 fee to apply for the permit uh my guess is conservatively uh the cost of the training is going to be a, an absolute minimum of $200 people aren't going to provide that for free for people so you're talking about 350 maybe $400 for the process that's there uh, there's a 60-day uh, wait for them to process the uh, the permit, but that's after you've already gotten the training and uh, met the other requirements. Um, my guess is you're probably talking about a month or more uh, for people to be able to get training once they sign up for it. Uh, so you may be talking about 90 or 120 days or something uh, delay, plus there's like even once you bought the gun, there's a 72-hour waiting period added on top of that. Uh, so we're talking about a law that's going to make it very difficult for the very people that my research indicates who benefit the most from having guns. There's two groups of people, uh, poor minorities, particularly poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas, Um you know, who do they think they're stopping from being able to get a gun for protection? If you're talking about $350, $400, if you want to carry it, uh, they just doubled the fees recently in Oregon uh, for being able to get a concealed carry permit. So you're going to be talking about something that's around $500 or more uh, if you're talking about the cost of the permit to own a gun and the permit to carry. Uh, who do they think they're stopping? They're well not stopping wealthy whites who live in the suburbs, but they're going to be stopping poor blacks who live in high crime urban areas from having the opportunity to protect themselves. That's where it matters. Well, and just, other group, and just that it's what I find. The other so, group, 
Well, what I find really interesting, John, uh, you know, in, in regards to that, yeah, you're talking about the people requiring the permit, needing the permit. However, the in the bill, and I know in Measure 114, they don't have any plans or infrastructure or money allotted to any of these police agencies or organizations to be able to issue the permit. So that on, it fa- that on its face, it's, it's, it's just another element that, you know, uh, Kevin Starrett talked about that they don't, the, even the police organizations, the state police, they said they don't even have the ability to process the permits and, and, and allow for the classes to be done uh, for the citizens. So essentially, there's, there's no future plans. There's, there's no ability for them to do that. They don't even know where they're going to get the money in order to do that, let alone have the ability to process that. So, Right. Well, it doesn't, I don't know, as I read the bill, uh, I'm not sure I completely agree with that. The, um, uh, you know, they say that there could be private instructors and stuff for that. Uh, and so I assume you'll just directly pay the private instructors for going and, and doing the classes that's there. Now, the classes and what's contained them is going to have to be set up. There's going to have to be rules there. And obviously, it's going to be there are going to be costs for going and processing and handling the uh, the licensing and registration forms that are there. I mean, my point uh that I tried to make also is that presumably the reason why you're doing the registration licensing is, uh, is to solve crimes. Yeah. Uh, But that doesn't work. Um, You know, we have experience in other States that have licensing and registration rules. Uh, Hawaii's had licensing and registration since 1960. Uh, They can't point to one crime that they've been able to solve. Uh, similarly with Chicago and Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania and Maryland and New York. And, you know, there's a simple reason for that. And that is, in theory, if a gun's left at a crime scene and it's registered to the person who committed the crime, uh, then you can take the gun and trace it back to the criminal. Uh, The problem is uh, crime guns are virtually never left at the crime scene. In the few times that they are left at the crime scene, uh, it's because the criminal's either been killed or seriously wounded, so you've caught them anyway. Um, in the couple additional times that they're left there, they're not registered. And the once or twice that they are registered, they're not registered to the person who committed the crime. And so uh, Hawaii, uh, uh, a little while ago when they... Uh, were testifying before the state legislature, the Honolulu police chief estimated. Hey, that, hey John, we got uh, a hard we got a hard break we're gonna go to. We will be right back. You're listening to Joshua Michael, Noncompliant America. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. We got John Lott on the phone talking about this SB 348 gun bill that is just an absolute disaster. Um, You know, it's the legislators and the Democrats trying to ram this uh, gun control down our throats and and basically make it impossible 
uh, damn near to purchase a firearm, maintain any type of order or infrastructure and, and violate everybody's Second Amendment rights. So, John, you were talking about something going on in Hawaii. Uh, go ahead and finish your point, And then I have a couple questions for you. What I was saying is that this doesn't actually solve crimes. I mean, in theory, what can happen is that somebody leaves a gun at a crime scene and it's registered the person who committed the crime. And in theory, then you can trace it back to the criminal. The problem is uh, criminals virtually never leave the gun at the crime scene. And the few times I was saying that it is, it's not registered to the criminal that's there and you've caught them anyway. Um, and so... Uh, you know, you can't point to crimes that are solved, but on the other hand, it costs something. Uh, the Honolulu police chief estimated that uh, they spend about 50,000 hours worth of police time each year uh, running their registration licensing program just for the city of Honolulu. Um, you look at the programs that they had with registration licensing and ballistic fingerprinting in New York and Maryland, um, New York spent something was in effect for 15 years. They spent something over $40 million. And even the uh, uh, gun control advocates in the New York state legislature uh, abandoned the program because despite spending 15 years and 40 some million dollars, uh, they couldn't point to one crime that they've been able to solve. Uh, similarly in Maryland. Uh, you know, so my guess is, uh, assuming state legislators, are, Republicans are actually able to ask questions in uh, in Oregon, what's going to happen is you're going to spend a lot of money. Uh, you're going to make it very difficult for law-abiding citizens to own guns. And uh, you're not going to solve any crimes. And, uh, uh, you know, but the problem is, you know, whether it's... Uh, 50,000 hours worth of police time each year or $40 million in New York or what have you. Uh, that's money that could have been used for solving crimes in a real way. I mean, we know police are extremely important in reducing crime. Uh, 50,000 hours is a lot of police time uh, that could be used to make people safer. And so what you're doing is you're taking that time away from things that work and putting into things that uh, are useless. Yeah, but you, do you think that the, the 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 gun debate, you know, as far as them trying to take our guns away and and make it extremely difficult to purchase and own and maintain a firearm, you know, and have to get some type of reoccurring subscription, probably down the road they're gonna you know have us do or something like that. Do you think that's Obviously, it's not going to make the streets safer. It's obviously not going to make this country safer. Do you think there's an agenda behind that uh, on them basically trying to create more chaos uh, in our society? Because if you look, and then I want to ask about New Mexico. Have you seen uh, in New Mexico the teachers are carrying guns in their schools? Well, well there are 20 states uh, that have teachers carry, legally carrying guns in, in schools. Uh, Oregon has had teachers carrying guns. There may be not a lot of school districts because, I mean, the law allows anybody with a concealed carry permit in Oregon to carry there. What's happened is, is that the teachers unions in connection with uh, um, uh, the school districts in Oregon 
have made it basically part of their contracts that people will lose their job if they're caught carrying. Uh, but legally, if it wasn't for those contracts, uh, any teacher, I mean, uh, Utah and New Hampshire are similar, uh, that if you have a concealed carry permit uh, in those states, you can automatically carry in schools. Um, and there's other states that do it. So we've had a lot of states for a lot of years. I, I'm not sure whether they're able to legally carry in New Mexico. I'm not, I don't remember them being on the list, but uh, maybe they can. Yeah, there's there's just a video that goes around and, and you can see they're interviewing the teachers and they all pull out their Glock 45s and, you know, demonstrate. Right, I understand. You know. I guess the question is, are they legally doing it? But uh, um, but in any case, there's 20 states where they're able to legally carry. It varies the number of schools in each state. Uh, but you're literally talking about thousands of schools uh, where teachers and staff are legally carrying guns. And one of the things that's interesting is there's been no attack where anybody's been wounded or killed at any of those schools where teachers and staff are allowed to carry. Uh, all the attacks have occurred at schools where teachers and staff are banned from having guns. And, you know, it's not too surprising. Uh, you read the diaries or manifestos for these murders, and they're very clearly uh, targeting places where they know victims can't defend themselves. Well, and that's and that's really just it is the the gun free zones and the soft targets that are mostly affected. Uh, the fact of the matter is, and especially based on your research, is more guns create less crime. Right? When you have good people with guns, um, there's less crime in those areas. Um, and so to say otherwise, or you know, for somebody to specify otherwise. Um, the data is just simply not there. And you guys are over at crimeresearch.org um, to demonstrate that. And Joe, that, so any, any, last, uh, any last messages or words that you would have for uh, the people here of Oregon? Well, just following up on that uh, gun-free zone issue. I mean, let's say you have a five-year prison sentence for somebody who violates the gun-free zone. Uh, for law-abiding citizens, that would tremendously alter their lives uh you know they would their lives would be destroyed but you know like if you take the tennessee shooting this last week where you have somebody go and kill six people assuming that they had if they had lived and we're going to face six life sentences or six death penalties uh you know an additional five or six years won't mean anything to them you know they're already facing six life sentences six life six additional years is is nothing and uh and so what happens is is that you have these criminal penalties that ensure that law-abiding citizens will obey these laws not the criminals and rather than making places safe you actually create magnets for these people to go and attack because they know that the victims that they have will be defenseless anybody who's read the diaries or manifestos for these mass murders know that they want to get media attention. They want to commit suicide, but they want to do so in a way that people will know they were there. They know the more people they kill, the more media attention they're going to get. And so they go to places where the victims aren't able to go and defend themselves. Uh, it's not rocket science. And, you know, this last week, it, one of the things that have come out, even though they haven't released the manifesto yet, 
is that uh, this person uh, had uh, thought about going after two other targets, but had ended up deciding against those and picking uh, the school that uh, they did because uh, uh, they were worried that there was too much security at those other ones. Yeah, and so that's that's that. It really is an interesting uh, uh, perspective to that. To you know, I just don't understand how people can argue ag- against having weapons and and being an, an uh, a well armed population because that that in itself says everything that the the she chose not to go into those areas because there was other guns there. Um, and she didn't want the conflict. Is it, was it a she or a he or I don't, I don't, it was a she. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, they, it, it, her pronouns are now was, were, but you know, right, uh, right wrong right, or indifferent. Well, but, but what, what happens with the media, uh, giving her all the attention and going on that direction, you get copycats. And so you get people that want that and it starts kind of normalizing the media and, and, uh, and over grandizing the situation. Um, but now they're trying to call her a victim too. Uh, and there's just an absurd amount of, you know, I'd say weaponized propaganda happening, you know, within this transgender movement and just the radicalization of the left, uh, trying to inspire. And they're just trying to provoke more chaos, defunding the police, not allowing the police to do their jobs, not allowing the police. I know in Uvalde, the same type of thing. The police sat by for over 75 minutes. They didn't go in because uh, their hands were tied, whether it be the police chief that was behind um, that standoff. But while gunfire was going on inside the school, the police were virtually doing nothing. Uh, and there were moms going in and breaking in, sneaking around the back, getting their kids in, getting their kids out of there. And the police were just doing nothing. So it's it's really interesting to see the differences you know, with how quickly... Um, the the Tennessee uh, police department did their job and how quickly they got in and out of there. And so, you know, our hats are off to them uh, for doing that. But but what do we do? I, I think it's them, go ahead. Still took them 14 minutes. Well, it did. And that's and that's and that's the thing. A crime can be committed in 30 seconds. A crime can be committed in five seconds. You know, that's the importance of being an armed population is being able to respond. Police are always second responders. They're not first responders, right? They're, so, they're uh, second look, tier. Police are certainly important. Uh, I mean, anybody who's read my research knows I think police are probably the single most important factor for reducing crime. But I think the police themselves understand that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occurred. And that's that right. Raises questions about what people should do when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves. Absolutely. Well, thank you, John, very much for your time. We really appreciate you and um, we appreciate you contributing uh, all the great research that you do, that you've devoted so much time and energy to. It really crystallizes the debate uh, and uh, it's very re- refreshing for us uh, to have you on the show today. So thank you very much and have a great day, okay? Me and my buddy, we make all of this money. Yeah. I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching a slack. Me and my buddy, we working hard for this money. All right, folks, Andrew Tate released from prison. 
After three months of uh, some hey. BS, now he's on house arrest. So I'm looking forward to his speech uh, and whatever he's going to do. I think he's probably going to start his own platform now uh, and be able to counter these guys. He is not the guy that I would want to put in a cave uh, for three months and uh, see what happens when he gets out. They say you don't want to corner a lion, and that's one that I think is just going to be fantastical. It's going to be just crazy uh, in this fight of liberty, and it's exciting. You know, we're always talking about this negative stuff and everything that's happening uh, going on, but there's also some really great things happening on happening across the world and across the planet and also in this state. Uh, one of them being is the school boards that we were talking about a little bit ago with Don on how we're taking it back. So one of the best things that I've seen is the Newburgh School District, right? Fantastic. You, we all remember how horrific and disgusting they what the policies that they were doing and setting and we talked to Suzanne Gallagher about it and she was fighting them but you know just a prime example on how we can take that element back um, we routed those guys out and well, they were rooted out they were in fact my a good friend of mine Dave Brown was involved in, in all that intimately he uh, is like basically and he'd be humbled uh, by me saying this but he he He's a legendary coach in that area. I mean, yep. there's kids that, you know, are in their 20s, late 20s, I don't know, even maybe in their 30s now that, that he had coached. And they look at him and, and he's a wonderful person. They love and respect him. He's a great man. He loves, you know, working with the kids and he loves uh, his job. Uh, he went and got on the school board, which means he couldn't be a coach at Newburgh anymore. So he coaches tennis at, at another uh, school. But um, he was in the middle of that fight. And you're talking about the nasty left all the way to the point where the ACLU, I don't know if you knew 100%. that, got involved. I Who mean. They're, they're behind disgusting. a lot of this. Just disgusting. And and coming after the them. The next group. And they got them out. They got, uh, you know, by an effort of the people on the ground fighting yep. hard. I'm talking, we went, I was out there a few times, door to door. Every door was knocked on in that town probably at least once, if not three times. Flyers put out. The whole community got involved. And that's what it took. But you know what? They changed the school board. They changed the county commissioners uh, and really flipped that around. But it's not over there. They come back after them of every course. single time. They're still coming at them. Dave got, Dave got. We're talking about going on a school board and getting death threats. Okay, we're talking about that kind of stuff going on yep. by the left. We're talking about uh, this lady from Stoller. Um, I can't remember her first name, Stoller, but she's just you know a piece of uh, left garbage. She's absolute garbage, and she actually brought out AOC hmm. to little you know Yam Hill Valley and started parading her around and doing you know. That's wild. Yeah, she has a dance studio there or something, and somehow the school district allowed during the COVID stuff. They actually allowed. Now I may have not have all my facts perfectly right, but basically she was allowed as an off-campus activity, and kids could get credit for going to her dance studio. And she was holding drag shows there for the kids. I mean, these yeah. people are sick. They really are. And, and that was in Oregon, folks. That's yeah. in Oregon. And That's little, in Yam Hill County. Yeah, little rural beautiful right we got yep. a, and i don't know what's going on but but i'll tell you it's it's well, a lot of infiltration of the left and they when they decide they're coming after something they come hard we're you know we're talking blm was out there antifa out there i had a conflict with them they put they doxed me up on uh, social media and by the way if you're out there um i'll just remind you guys what i told you to your face don't have to dox me I'll yep. tell you where I live. Come on out. I got 40 acres in a backhoe and I'll introduce you to both of them. Yep. Well, in that, you know, taking a 40,000 foot view and kind of stepping back, you know, in the climate, we're seeing all these victories uh, and there are a lot of great victories going on. Now, it may not seem like it sometimes, um, but but there definitely are. I mean, people are discovering 
the American system and the American individualism on how important it is and how easily and fragile it can be and it can be, how it can be revoked. So kind of stepping back, based on the climate, based on what we've seen, you know, we can only uh, assume that the Democrats, they're going to pull the chessboard over. They're going to flip it over. You know, what do you think that their next move is going to be uh, on kind of diverting off of? I know we all know that now it's the Trump indictment, which we haven't mentioned anything about because I'm just sick of hearing about it. Um, but is that the distraction to get us distracted from, you know, this AI takeover CBDC rollout that they're doing? The BRICS nations basically dropping the dollar getting everybody on to some rabbit trail of will he be indicted? Will he be gagged today at 2.15 p.m.? There's supposed to be something going on with this with this judge. I mean, how do we circumvent and get through all that and cut through that information? I mean, what do you think that the next move is going to be, Don? Well, we can see them taking away our rights. I mean, flat out censoring people, right? Like the gentleman who, uh, for some reason, his name's escaping me right now, but with the memes, he just got indicted facing 10 years in prison because he wrote a mean, uh, he made mean memes um, against Hillary Clinton. I mean, you talk about that's free speech and he's being, and where, who's, who cares about that? I mean, who, what I mean is who's being activated by that? Is anybody in our state going, what the heck's going on? This is ridiculous. Are you actually doing anything about it? Wake yeah. up people. Cause it's, it's going to happen. Next These thing you know, it's going to be you. you. It is. Absolutely. It's going to affect you. It is, it is affecting you and you need to wake up and see it and, and stand against it just because it's not you getting 10 years or your son or your nephew or your next door neighbor. It's happening. This is happening to you. It's happening to your country and you should give a damn about what's going on to other people because it's it's not right. It's unjust. And we're supposed to care about everybody and, and not sit here and be so selfish and go, well, it hasn't affected me yet. I'll just stay here in my little corner. Yeah. No, it's coming. And you should you should care. You should stand up for for uh, the little guy and, and against big government. You know, they, they have overstepped their boundaries and they forget that it is truly a government or supposed to be of we the people and we are the sovereign and not them and they are subject to us and we have to turn we have to flip that switch back because we have allowed uh we haven't we haven't enforced the constitution and we've allowed them to trample on it and it's time that people uh well, take you know stand up on okay so in that what about emergency use emergency powers we are still under an emergency uh, in regards to nationwide, and I think in Oregon, we're still under emergency. Doesn't that essentially subvert all of our rights and subvert all of our powers? Isn't that the state that we've been in for over 1,100 days now? We've been under a declared emergency. So how, what do you say to how how are we circumventing that? And, you know, is is what we're doing actually going to have any effect because at the end of the day if we're in, under an emergency you know how how do we combat against that because we we they haven't revoked that they keep renewing it well actually uh they just the national emer covid emergency was just revoked yesterday Okay. If you saw that one, there you go. So another positive thing going on in the country. So, so the, Congress so, did that, and Matt Gates in that group. So uh, boy, and, Gates and is God bless them. Yes, Man, uh, they are hands down. You know, really fighting for things and fighting for our country 
Um, it, I mean, it's unbelievable the stuff that they're doing. It's it's amazing. Yeah, there's there's a, another interesting way. What what can we do? Well, there's this website called noncompliantamerica.com. I don't know if you've heard of it, <laughs> but that concept that's not just a name that that uh, you know Josh you know decided to create. Ah, I got an idea. Let me just put this out there for for a talking point. No, it is a movement. It is a mentality. It is it is uh, back to. Uh, the concept of it, right, is is this is what our country's founded on, this idea of our freedom and not complying with a tyrannical government. Not uh, complying with the king. We don't need an exactly. American king. No. We don't need and, to be told when we can put a mask on and when we should put a mask on. And if we can go here and we can go there, we have the right to travel, the right to speak, the right to bear arms. And you know what's important about those rights? People seem to misunderstand this concept. The Constitution does not give us free speech. The Constitution does not give us our Second Amendment right, right? It doesn't give us the right to protect ourselves. Those are our God-given rights. That's right. Those things are there to protect us from the government trying to take those God-given rights away from us. It's yeah, a big we, distinction. And we see what happens when we give them powers and everything else. Don Powers, thank you very much for joining me again today. Thanks for having me again, brother. Have a good week. Love you, man. All right. Kicking at a dead horse, pleases you. No way of showing your gratitude.